Welcome to Courage in Action. We are a sisterhood of women empowering women to be everything we are meant to be. I'm your host, Naluka Kotagata, and it is my privilege to join your life journey as we connect with some extraordinary, triumphant, and beautifully imperfect women through this podcast. Together, we hope to inspire you to take action towards your life goals, one courageous step at a time. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Courage in Action. As many of you know, Courage in Action exists to help women coming from difficult circumstances move forward in their lives. Our goal is to provide the tools, motivation, and hope to uplift and inspire the creation of new or different outcomes. Our guest today, Sue Bo, is the manifestation of everything we try to do. Through acknowledgement of the root causes of her own trauma and challenges, Sue has healed and transformed herself into a coach and guide for others on a similar journey. Sue works with her clients to rapidly address issues at an unconscious level, delivering them to emotional freedom and setting them back on track in life. We are delighted to have her here with us to tell us more about this. Welcome, Sue. Thank you, Naluka. It's a pleasure to be here. Amazing. So to get things started, maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, what you've described as sort of that illusion of a picture-perfect life that you had and how you moved from that to discovering and living living your true purpose. <laughs> yeah, well, it it's interesting because I think um, we all have the experience at some point in our lives and sometimes for extended periods of 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 seeing the world with some rose colored glasses, perhaps, and, uh, and aspiring to live the dream. And the dream tends to be a pretty common collective dream that we're all striving for. Um, and I would say that I was, I was doing just that for at least the first 30 to 35 years of my life. And I feel like I was on autopilot and doing what I was supposed to do and um, making sure I followed the traditional path and got a good education and a good career. And I met the, my, my high school sweetheart and we were together forever, supposedly, uh, mm-hmm. and had two wonderful children and a beautiful home, the whole thing. Um, and I know I'm not alone when, um, when I say that, you know, at, at a certain point, I started questioning that and uh, inner voice started to come in. Yeah. And realized that that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily what I wanted. It's what I thought I should have. Yeah. It was interesting because I, I, I really woke up to the fact that I wasn't living who I truly was, but I didn't know what that was. I was living what I thought I should be doing and who I thought I should be being, but I didn't know what the alternative was. So it it set me on a quest. That's interesting because you used the words earlier, supposed to, and I think a lot of people have that sort of fairy tale image in their mind about what we are supposed to do as women and how life is supposed to go. But when that little inner voice starts to speak, it's interesting when you listen. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah. And I think, you know, it's very easy to ignore that little voice or those little inklings or, um, yes. you know, the, 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 um, the, the parts of you that are trying to get your attention, you know, but mm. I, I do, I do believe like, I don't, I don't follow 
I don't go through life with regrets. I, I sort of trust that things have unfolded the way that they were meant to. And I can see the blessings even in the turmoil and the challenges. Yes. But it's it's hard not to be frustrated sometimes when it, why did it take 35 years for me to figure <laughs> out I was not being the real me, you know? <laughs> because we're all here to learn and we all learn at our own pace and our own time. And it's, you know, that's what our, our individual experience as humans um, is meant to be, right? And I think we're taught that too, that everything is supposed to happen on this timeline. And, you know, in your 20s, you're supposed to do this. In your 30s, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to find the dream partner and live that exact life that you were talking about. So how did you find the courage to listen to that inner voice and start to actually take action um, based on it to find your true self? Yeah, it's interesting. It it unfolded over quite some time. I would say it was a few years and it started with my work. So I was in a corporate job, um, had been, you know, trundling along in a, in a corporate career and getting lots of wonderful experience, had good, a good salary. I wasn't really very fulfilled. And I kept thinking that I wanted to start my own business, but I didn't know what product or service or, you know, or when or how I knew nothing about how to do that. Mm. And, uh, and it, it kind of arrived serendipitously or synchronistically, I suppose. And I was surfing on the internet um, in the early days of the internet (laughs) when, uh, when internet advertising had just begun and our company company I was working for had been started doing some online advertising. So I went to check it out and there was this little article. It was a, a sort of a self-help self-improvement website. And there was an article about um, personal coaching and I thought, oh. what is that? Something just I, went, it was ding, a, not ding, even ding, an article. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, the, 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 the skies, the clouds parted, the skies, departed, the angels started singing, you know, it was that eureka moment. Um, yeah. I, it was only a couple of paragraphs and I read it and realized Oh my goodness. I would, I would love to do this and I would be amazing at it. It was just an instant recognition. And so it was not long after that, that I registered a business on the side. I was still doing my, my full-time job um, and started, I enrolled in training and started getting, you know, certified in, in, in a completely different profession, but it took a few years. I was taking some clients on here and there, but um, it was the beginning of that, of doing coach training when I started facing questions and I couldn't understand why I couldn't answer like questions are really kind of simple, but who am I? And, and what do I want? I mean, those, it, it had me face these things for the first time I had, I had, like I said, I feel like I had been on autopilot Mm. up until that point. And so that was a big turning point for me. And it happened over a couple of years. Who am I and what do I want? Really important question. Powerful. Yeah, very much so. So you had this sort of instant eureka moment in terms of what you wanted to do career-wise. How did you find the the courage to sort of change things around that on a more, I guess, personal side? Yeah, it it, the courage just built up slowly over time. Um, as I continued training, there was more and more motivation and inspiration within me that I wanted to be doing this work full time, be, yes. being a professional coach. 
and um, and and then as that alternative that was um, very appealing was there in my face all the time, my current job and and career seemed less and less appealing. Of course, right? Mm. Once you know that there's something, once you see something better, a better alternative than the um, the current status quo, just seems impossible to continue. So it was inevitable. Um, I, I did wait um, another year and a half or two years before I left the corporate world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would have to say it was challenging too on the home front. It wasn't necessarily um, a welcome change. And I tend to be an optimist. So <laughs> I, I, probably over, was overly optimistic on how successful financially I would be in the first few years. Um, So, you know, that, that caused a lot of, of challenges um, in my marriage and was, I would say the beginning of the end of that phase as well. A big part of it was because I was changing. And I think that's something that we, um, we don't learn enough about how, how challenging it is in relationship when one there's always going to be a dynamic where it's rare for both people to be stay stay the same and be sort of status quo over time. Usually one is growing and the other one's supporting and then it switches and the other one's growing or expanding and then the other's supporting. And and there are just phases that couples go through Um, that wasn't happening so much in, in my relationship. And, and, um, and so it, it, you know, it was, it just reached its arc and it was, um, it was was time time. for that to, to end, but there was no question once I got into, um, I went through the initial, um, core training, core curriculum for coaching, and then enrolled in the certification program the following year. And by that point, it was like, yeah, I'm doing this. I have this is, to. This is it. This is you, it. You can't me. ignore yeah. a calling, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're a mom. How did you navigate the sort of a mom guilt that is felt when you sort of choose yourself and you're taking a different path? And obviously your kids are coming along with you on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you manage that? You know, it, it to me, it was um, it was a choice for the kids in many ways, because I was um, I was commuting um, an hour and a half each way into the city for my job. So when the kids oh. were young, dropping them off at daycare when it like the minute it opened at you know six thirty or quarter to seven in the morning, or whatever time it was, it might have been quarter to six. Now that I think about it, um, right. to make that to make that commute um, to work, and my um, my vision was being a coach. I'd be a home, having a home based business and be would, would be much more available for my kids at that time. Oh, so the, that works out better actually. The challenge was the the transition period where I was doing both. Um, doing the training, taking on a few clients here and there, evenings and weekends, um, while still working full time. So that was definitely, definitely a challenge uh, for a better part of a year, at least. Yeah. So you, you powered through all of that from this place of believing in yourself and that calling and, and following what you were meant to do. You, you make it sound so 
so victorious. <laughs> well, well we know we know that life is very messy. So. <laughs> but at the end of the day, that is what you did, right? I, I, I suppose uh, I didn't feel like that at the time. Uh, yeah. but, but looking back, I'm very glad that I did. I did take that route. Um, yeah. Even though it did mean a lot of changes and, and it ultimately the end of my marriage at the time. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, but you know, there's a, there's a quote that I often refer to um, from um, a book by Araya mountain dreamer. It's called, the book is called the invitation and mm-hmm. it's a poem that she wrote, but then she wrote a book. Um, I think each chapter is one verse of the poem and there's one, question there's one one phrase in there where she says um there's all these provoking questions she's asking and and she says are you willing to betray another in order to be true to yourself and it's just it's it's a touchstone for me because if we're not being true to ourselves then we can't fully be there for others we have to keep our cup full first and or put our oxygen mask on first (laughs) and it's easy for us to deceive ourselves in the reasons and all the rationale why we shouldn't or couldn't uh, or can't but um, but ultimately if we're you know if we're striving to be as true to ourselves as we possibly can then we're the best version of ourselves in the world for us and for others as well including Absolutely. our ones. and sometimes in life you have to make that choice to put yourself first mm-hmm. and yes you will take something from someone else and people who can't come on that transformation journey with you will be very uncomfortable with you not being who you we're supposed to be for them in the past. So it'd be like, who is this? What is happening here? <laughs> yeah. And so those people will be removed and they've served their purpose in life and we move forward, right? Absolutely. And uh, you know, it 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 might not be overtly obvious, but I think the um when we're not being true to ourselves, there's an inauthenticity. Mm. and an incongruency within us and it might be very very subtle but um but others can pick up on it and and we can too if we listen closely enough so you know the signs are always there listening seeing observing hearing Mm. that inner voice and, and feeling that is is just so important um you talked a little bit about sort of you know, it sounds like when we talk about it now that, you know, your life has gone on this great path, but it was very bumpy. Um, what would you say to our listeners out there who are in the midst of that bumpy sort of chaotic phase about kind of embracing their trauma, embracing challenges that they're feeling? And, and how do they switch from that sort of survival mindset to growth? Mm-hmm. Out of that? Yeah, it's a powerful question. Um, there's, <laughs> I can answer this so many different ways. I'm pausing for a moment here. Okay. Um, I, I guess the, the key to all of this in my mind, from my perspective, is that all of our adversity, every, all of the challenges, adversities, and traumas that we experience in our lives mm-hmm. are fuel for our growth. And we are not, we don't, that's not a common 
um, it's not a common perspective. Right. So, you know, um, cause most of the time we're, we're taught and society says that, you know, those, those hardships are, are with you forever. And which they, they kind of are, but I see it a little differently. I'll share in a moment. Um, but that you're going to have to deal with it forever. And it's going to be, a, um, it's going to hinder you, you know? So it, it, um, the, the, mainstream perspective puts us into a victim mentality and it's, it's not by it's, I don't think it's by design. It just happens to have evolved that way. And, um, but I prefer to look at it and I, and this is how I work with clients and how I teach um, participants in my programs is that, um, these adversities, these challenges, and these traumas are actually our greatest fuel for our own evolution, our own personal evolution, our own becoming, if we choose to look at them that way, because they have the seed of that growth. And, um, and when we can find that seed, then there's a whole world of possibility opens up because um, it is possible to, to heal from, uh, from these challenges. I know I have, I have trauma in my background as well. Um, and heal is a funny word. I, I, I tend to, um, I tend to talk more about outgrowing trauma and evolving through transcending trauma. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the events, we can't change the events from the past, but we can change the response that's happening within us. And, um, that unconscious response was created in an instant whenever the, the challenging or traumatic event happened. And we can, if we get at it at the right, in the right way, at the right, in the right place, for me, it happens to be through the unconscious mind, we can actually change it. And, um, and that might be considered healing. And that's the common word for it, but I prefer to think of it as outgrowing it. So um, so my, my invitation and my encouragement to everyone is to, um, is to look at your adversities differently, to look at them as an opportunity. Um, because I, I have seen personally, I have seen in, in the many, many people that I've worked with, those that have had trauma or other challenges or adversities in their lives have grown so much more. They have a growth advantage in life than someone who has a very stable, a very um, comfortable and easy life. That's so funny because people normally and like envy or want to emulate that like calm, open, perfect. And like, first of all, that's not reality. (laughs) Second of all, it is something to maybe not as aspire is probably not the right word, but like to have that level of growth in your lifetime is actually something to aspire to in terms of what you've accomplished in your lifetime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And when we, when we add up, we don't tend to include our growth and our self-improvement and our, you know, our personal evolution when we're, when we're accounting for all of our successes and achievements in life. But when you add those in, it can be enormous what we've accomplished. Yes. And from a spiritual perspective, I believe we've all come, we've, we've all come into life in order to expand, in order to. Evolve, oh, I'm with you. Grow. Yes. Yeah. So 
you know, these challenges, I mean, this, this perspective of mine comes from, you know, lots of research in human consciousness evolution. And, and they have, they have seen, they've shown that humanity has had these step changes in, in consciousness evolution when they were challenged, you know, when there was massive stressors in the environment in, in history, when they look back over history. So, you know, you need those challenges, you need those, um, um, you know, they were called stressors in that kind of, in that research um, in order to, in order to, it forces us to think differently, to be inventive and, and courageous and, um, and, you know, find a new way of being. That's really interesting because if you think about, you know, us being in the middle of a global pandemic right now, talk about a stressor on everybody at this point. Yes. And I wonder, sometimes wonder, I'm like, everyone's like, oh, I want to go back to normal. I'm like, let's go back to everything we used to do. So are you seeing that like a different level of consciousness coming out? We're not out of it by any means, but is that change happening? And then we can get into sort of those actual stressors and how people can, can manage those. Yeah, I, I'm absolutely seeing that. Um, this the stress of the pandemic, or or the, you know the challenges that are being placed on on each individual are different for everybody. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It you know for one person it might be the isolation. For another, it's the overwork, um, being on the front line, uh, and mm-hmm. and all kinds of other situations as well. But. I absolutely see the pandemic and all of the other things that have been happening too. There's been layers of other, um, other very distressing things happening around the world um, from social unrest to, to um, just, I I don't even want to, don't need to get into all of it. Yes. There's a lot. It's, it's been layered on. And, um, and so what I've noticed is that a lot of people were coping well with um, perhaps past adversities or challenges that they've had and traumas before the pandemic. But when you add the extra stress of the pandemic and all the, everything else that's happening um, a lot of people are finding that their coping strategies are not working. They're just not working the way that they used to, or they they're wearing out or they're not doing, they're not cutting it anymore. And so People are, I'm noticing a lot of people are looking for, um, looking to do some of that deeper healing work because mm-hmm. of that. Looking uh, inward as opposed to outward all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but on a bigger, on a grant, a, a, a higher level, this entire 18 to 20 month phase that we've been in has caused us, everyone to pause and pause. question exactly. and reassess mm-hmm. and so that's adding, that's just adding more, you know, magic ingredients to that pot of soup that's stirring and bubbling yeah. um, because it's, it's creating more questioning and more, um, more reflection as well. So, you know, there, there are a lot of factors happening right now. I would say there's a third piece, which is the pandemic has been traumatic in and of itself for yes. many people. Yeah. Um, the the collective fear that has been um, pervasive has been, you know, many would argue that's been traumatic for them as well. So, tremendously uh, so. Yeah. So there's there is a lot going on right now. I I've, it looks to me like, you know, as a species, 
where it's global, right? So humanity is going through a very big transition right now. And um, we're, we're being forced to find new ways because the old ways weren't working anyway. Yeah. I was going to ask that question when we talked, when you were mentioning sort of coping mechanisms, not working, I'm like, were they working before? Or in some (laughs) cases, I'm sure it was just depressing. And Mm -hmm. now you have no choice as you sit with yourself, no choice, but to actually think and deal with that and start to address some of the things that bubble up in in various ways throughout the pandemic. Absolutely. Well, coping mechanisms are, they tend to be band-aids and, you know, (laughs) going, going to work can be a coping mechanism, keeping busy. Yep. Yep. Busy the mind. So it doesn't bring. Yeah. Um, So that can actually be very difficult for people as, as things start to bubble up and you are on your own because as humans, we look for connectivity and, and company and community, family and belonging and all of those things. Um, what advice would you give to your clients or anyone who's listening who, who does have to be isolated right now um, if something scary is bubbling up for them? Mm. Yeah, I, I would absolutely say reach out. Um, There are so many um, mental health services and many of them free that have been um, coming. They've come up since the pandemic started uh, a lot. Um, So I know, um, you know, I know the, my phone service provider has a, a health app where you can call it, you can get some, some guidance. And, you know, many companies are, are offering, um, services. There are, there's online therapy now and, and therapy apps as well. So, um, I mean, a little bit of Google searching will come up with a, a, a plethora of options, but the bottom line I would say is talk to someone, talk Mm -hmm. to someone who has a compassionate ear, um, who'll be non-judgmental, and will allow you to, to, to at least allow you to speak, um, talk through what you're going through and hopefully be also, um, you know, professional help that can give you some advice and some, um, you know, some, some ways to move forward because isolation is one of the, um, one of the riskiest, uh, situations for, mental health and emotional wellness. And so reaching out is by far the first thing and most important. Awesome. And the, I love that you called out just finding someone who will be non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that, you know, it's kind of scary to admit that you need professional, like I went to a therapist for a long time and I absolutely loved it. I am a big proponent of therapy and no shame in it whatsoever. But in a lot of cultures, in a way, a lot of people have been brought up, it still has that stigma around it. So, mm-hmm. you know, reaching out to someone, potentially in your family or a really great friend to your, your family's family by choice and all of those things. Um, I think just talking about it is sort of that first step. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I would also be, um, I've just caution folks um, and and um, in, invite everyone to be very um, very careful with setting boundaries, especially in the online space, because yeah. it's gotten, you know, social media has gotten very, um, there's a lot of negativity and, um, and, 
I would even say toxicity as well. So that yes. is probably not the safest place to reach out. Um, so, you know, the outreach that I'm talking about is, is private and with someone who, you know, is supportive. So just someone be, you can be, trust, someone is, you can trust, be yeah. wary of those of forums and discussion groups online. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, social media doesn't help at all during the pandemic because just that level of comparison, the illusion that you can create in a social media account is just, you know, I think about actually kids today, mm-hmm. not being able to go to school and that this whole, there's, I feel a whole generation of these kids, like kids, and I'm not sure how they're going, what the long-term impact of that sort of isolation, inability to socialize, and it's like even be exposed to germs. Like we have masks on and all the things. And I'm, I support it hundred percent. Like we don't want to spread, like follow all the rules, please everybody. But there is that underlying issue also that inevitably is going to have an impact on, on kids growing up today. Oh, absolutely. My heart has been going out to the kids through the mm-hmm. pandemic from the, the toddlers who don't, you know, especially yes. the toddlers who are a single single children households yes not having another another playmate you know for months and months at a time to you know the older ones and the teens who are Mm. such social creatures I just I I feel for them deeply and you know thankfully there's been some breaks in the in the lockdowns and they've been able to get out and connect again um, let's hope that, that, you know, we get through this sooner rather than later and they can all get back to, <laughs> get back to hanging out together. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hang out with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> but as adults, we have a few more, um, we have a, a few, few more, more tools up our sleeve in our to handle belts. things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A few yeah. more things that we've learned, um, that we can absolutely leverage. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But overall, so, you know, we've talked a lot about, um, you know, believing in yourself, owning that power, owning, I love, I wouldn't even call it owning your trauma, but transforming your trauma into Mm -hmm. sort of driving for growth. Um, And in some cases, even when we're, we're isolated or we're, we're by ourselves, um, the mind can start spinning. Memories start coming back, things, emotions will cycle back and forth. And like, what are some things people can do to sort of not, I know it's not easy to snap out of that cycle, but to stop the spinning so that you have a moment Mm -hmm. to reflect, like, how do you step back from that to reflect on what's going on around you? Yeah. Um, I'm going to suggest two things and they're there. It's not rocket science, Um, (laughs) journaling and meditation and I'll, but I'll explain why, because um, I know this advice is, you, you get this advice everywhere. So it's not, it's not new, um, but journaling helps just to purge the mind of everything that is churning. So it can be just a good exercise. It's not so much of um, classical, classic journaling, just write down everything that's in your mind so that it's down and it's captured. It doesn't matter what you do with what you've written down, but it's getting it out of the mind and down onto paper can be a very, just a cathartic kind of um, exercise. Um, And then I I also recommend meditation because it's very, um, it's, it's very connected to the work I do with the unconscious mind and, and 
hypnotherapy, which is one of the tools I use. Uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about meditation that the, the goal is to stop your thoughts. And that's not it at all. No. <laughs> the goal of meditation is just to learn how to focus your thoughts. And so when we, when, and there are lots of free apps out there. Um, there's lots of free meditation videos on YouTube, lots of places that you can get support um, to just learn uh, some of the basics of meditation. But um, it's a practice of learning to bring your focus back to where you want to focus on what you want, not what you don't want. Mm. And, um, and that might have to happen dozens of times, hundreds, thousands of times when the mind starts looping on, um, yeah. you know, on old memories, but, but the, the, that practice of focusing the mind can only be a positive um, asset over time. So right. I highly recommend a meditation practice. Um, and it's and called then, a practice guess, for a reason. It is, it is a called practice. a practice for a reason. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then the third, um, the third thing I would throw in there too is uh, I'm going to call it befriending your emotions. Um, a lot of a lot of people are really afraid of their emotions and they're afraid to like thoughts are circling, but they're usually emotionally laden, but we're avoiding, we tend to want to avoid feeling those emotions. So the thoughts circle, but we're never actually allowing ourselves to feel them. Yeah. And um, I mean, nobody has ever died from emotion, even though, you know, a lot of people think here, that, died of a broken heart. Not that's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they can certainly be incredibly uncomfortable yes. and we're not, yes. we're not taught or we don't learn how to be with our uncomfortable emotions as we're, um, as we're living our lives, but there's an opportunity to learn that at any age. So, yes. you know, I, I just, yeah. Unchecked emotions can lead to much more serious issues. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. we can't, uh, yeah, I'm lost for the word, but can't, you can't make that smaller than it is. Like if you, mm -hmm. if you aren't actually dealing with your emotions, they will sort of fester in your body and in your mind. And, yep. and that's something that can, can be quite dangerous if you don't. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, they, they, it tends to show up when, when we've um, buried our emotions and haven't allowed ourselves to feel them and express yes. them in healthy ways. Yeah. Um, they'll show up as over or under reactions, usually over, you know, and mm -hmm. so we'll cry at the drop of a hat when a soap opera or commercial comes on <laughs> yeah. the screen yeah. or, or we'll blow up in anger, you know, uh, yeah. and then feel, feel regretful afterwards, things like that. So, yeah. um, and then over time they can manifest as physical ailments or dis-ease in the body. So there's, there's a lot of good reason to, learn how to how to process the emotions that we're that we're feeling yeah and a, a lot of people have told me just feel feel the feels yeah feel all the things it's scary though to mm -hmm. feel some things sometimes and it's um tricky to not get stuck in them but to actually feel and release them yes it's a different thing than just holding them there and and being afraid to actually feel them and then it just like again, it's sort of festering in there. Right. So 
Absolutely. And, and I, I'll offer a bit of a caution too, for anyone that does have trauma in their past mm-hmm. or traumatic events in their past, um, there can be a lot of bottled up emotion. And so there, a defense mechanism that might be in place is actually holding that emotion in, especially the painful emotions. Right. And so to even, to even sit down and allow yourself to feel some of the sadness or some of the fear that has been bottled up and contained for a very long time, um, it might not be the easiest thing to do. So, you know, what I'm suggesting is, is if you do have trauma in your past, it's probably best to do this with a therapist or another professional. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm, I'm talking more about the day-to-day things, you know, um, as we, as we experience things and like frustrations or, or, you know, sad things, grief in the news, whatever it is, um, to allow ourselves time to process it and um, we'll be better off for it. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. Exactly. To me too, like patience and grace, just gentle, gentle and keep moving through life. Um, Cause I think we, we can be very, very hard on ourselves. We are our worst critics as we often hear. Um, and I know my self-critic used to be quite vicious <laughs> to me, you know, even when I would talk about it um, with my coaches or therapists or whatever, like, whoa, that's, well, don't you, I'm like, yes, when I say it out loud, it sounds like that's very <laughs> extreme. I would never talk to anybody like that, but I was, you know, talking to myself that way until I sort of learned to look beneath it and get to sort of that root cause of what that, what was that about in the first place? Yeah. Um, and it's a, it, I think it's a super interesting, um, enlightening and fascinating journey to discover yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's so much to discover. I mean, it's a lifelong, we're not going to, we, we wouldn't, we won't oh, even yeah. finish in yeah. our lifetimes. Yeah. Oh, so there's no shortage of what we can discover either. Yeah. So that's yeah. the exciting part. That makes me think of why I loved um, the title of Michelle Obama's book, which is called The Becoming. And I'm like, she's not done. Like that, that's exactly (laughs) it. We are constantly becoming more of who we are. And I I loved the title of that book. It's wonderful. (laughs) And the book itself was great, obviously. But Mm -hmm. um, and chatting with you has been (laughs) wonderful also. Um, are there any sort of closing words or any other topics that you wanted to cover with our listeners before we wrap up for tonight? Hmm. Well, uh, because I'm, I, I am all about trauma. Um, I, and I, I include in trauma, you know, not just what we would, what we were, the significant, the big significant things, but even the everyday, everyday traumas and childhood traumas and things like that. Um, you know, my, my main message is, um, is to be open to the, to the fact that it's possible to live without the uncomfortable emotions that are connected to the trauma. Um, it is possible to outgrow the emotional, um, pain and I've seen it time and time again. So there are many, many modalities. Um, I'm only, you know, I'm an expert in one or two. So, they're just, they're not necessarily mainstream. So um, I invite anyone who's listening that has emotional pain from the past and they want to do something about it, whether it's now or later um, to, to just keep, 
keep looking, keep exploring um, the yeah. right approach for them will show up. And um, uh, I just don't want anyone leaving. I don't want anyone thinking that they're going to be stuck with this pain, whatever pain they're carrying forever. I love that. that it, 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 this too shall pass in a way <laughs> and you have to find the right way for that to pass for you. Yes. Yes. And that pain is your medicine. So, you know, there's a way that it can fuel um, your becoming. So remembering to look at it that way, it will be. Oh, your trauma and adversity fuels your becoming. I love it. I love it. That's a very, you know, I think a lot of people who are listening will, will need to hear that message and it will just Exactly. As I talked about in my intro, we try to inspire that hope that will help people make a difference. And I really think knowing that trauma can be the seed for your growth and that trauma can be transformed into something and you can outgrow it and you don't have to live with that feeling all the time, I think is a very hopeful message that's really going to make a difference for people. Mm. Well, thank you for, thank you for sharing that message because I, I, I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. That's your message. <laughs> thank you for being here and thank you for sharing all of that with us and being open about, you know, your own journey. We really appreciate that. Um, and we'll put your contact information in um, the podcast description so our listeners can reach out if they need to. That's wonderful. It was a real pleasure being here. Thank you. Nicole. Thank you so much. That was great.